Welcome to Between Sundays. I'm Tyler, and I'm joining with you in the Tarshish Boats to make the Temple of Pod a beautiful place. Let's do this. <laughs> Barry is here to give us a crash course in Hebrew poetry, and we're wrapping up a fascinating hope month. But before we frolic in the forests of cypress, fir, and pine, now that the vast caravan of camels have finished converging on them, let's welcome in our favorite co-hosts filled with splendor, Marin and Barry. Good day, guys. <laughs> Good day. Good day, indeed. Filled with splendor. I yeah. feel it. How you guys doing? Filled. Uh, I'm good. I've got some really exciting news. I what what's what's going on? I'm now officially an uncle because my Yay! my sister had her baby Henry, and he decided to come a little bit earlier than planned. Yeah. So what's the deal? So she was due to deliver tomorrow, th- Thursday. Today. Thursday this yeah, week. Tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. And then Henry just decided no. I'm coming, coming on Sunday. So <laughs> is I, everything good? Is she feeling she's, all right? Yeah, yeah. Baby's great. Mom's great. They're all, all right. healthy. And um, what's the deal? What, like, what are the stats? Do you have? Oh, the stats? I don't. He, he wasn't huge. I don't know. <laughs> he was, there, he he was, was <laughs> a number of inches long. He's pretty tiny. A couple wasn't inches. He? He's relatively tiny. Yeah. I mean, she was. She was basically like normal Lucy. And a baby bump. That was all there was. She didn't, yeah. didn't look like she That's gained a pound. Awesome. So Dave and Penny are up in Chicago. They're all up. We're all smitten with him. Yeah. We just, oh, he's so cute. He's so cute. And uh, is Dave a puddle? Yeah. He and mom are both just a puddle. They have yeah. a grandchild. And yeah, it's amazing. So, so is everybody like ready or we're no, all like dad, converging? Dad, like well, he was of here, what he would tell you is that he was in Ohio at this other church doing he was this this pastor that he's been he's been mentoring he was out at his church actually speaking there and he found out that lucy was like having the baby right as he got up to speak yeah (laughs) wow and i actually here in at 146th street i got the picture of him that he was born moments before i went up to speak oh my goodness goodness. we were both Preach and distracted. Wow. Yeah. So you took off right after. Yeah, we left on after Sunday? church and yep, went straight up to Chicago and got to got to meet my nephew. So it was a pretty eventful weekend for you. Yeah, I didn't get a lot of rest. No power on Saturday. Oh yeah. Oh my goodness. Man, this this shows how much has been going on. I totally forgot about <laughs> Spanish that. Spanish worship night was Spanish worship, worship night, night was on Friday. Friday night. Man. Yeah, so you've been very busy. Yeah. Spanish worship night on at 146th Street on Friday. How was that? You guys were both there. Oh, it was awesome. It was beautiful. What do you think? What was I, your takeaway? Every time it's one of my favorite services that I get to be a part of. Yeah. I'm yeah. so blessed to be a part of of that particular night of worship. It's one of my favorites. There was so much food. It was amazing. It was yeah. just and it was a really a good food. mix of people. There wasn't it wasn't all Spanish speaking folks. There were a lot of English speakers. It was a really interesting mix of people. It was very, very cool. really cool. Yeah. yeah. So that was Friday. Saturday. Saturday big we're, power storm. We're getting ready wait, for that was no, the, the Power went out. The power went out. The power went out earlier in the week. Thursday went yeah. out when there was a big storm. We don't know what happened on Saturday, but the service starts here at, at 4:30 p.m. Yep. and the power went out at like 4:25 or like 4:20 right. or something so like that. So as a musician, I have to pause and give shout outs to the music team here yeah. at 146 to Brad here at 146. They didn't get to rehearse on Thursday, right? Because of the, the power, power went out, yeah. and then they get to Saturday. <laughs> And the power oh goes out. Oh my gosh! Out. So yeah. what, what happened? So we we had a little confab in the hallway. We all just looked at each other and said, "What are our options?" And they said, "Well, we could try to do it in Let's the." Do this. <laughs> That's exactly how I believe they said <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. 
we said we could try to do it in the sanctuary, but because there's some light coming in from the windows, but it wasn't going to be real bright in there. And I, somebody said, what about the lobby? There's tons of light in there. Yeah. And so we're like, yeah, let's do this. So right. we, we just got Was everybody standing room only or what? We, we got chairs from Central oh, Auditorium, some chairs. brought in a ton of chairs. People just all started helping, setting up chairs. Great. We, the Grace kids obviously couldn't meet because they don't have windows in those little pods down yeah. there. So we just had it make, made it a family service, had all the kids come in. And so we sang some music acoustic. We, they, like 15 guys got the grand piano yeah. down off the stage <laughs> from Central Auditorium and wheeled it into the lobby. And then we had a couple guitars. We had some singers. Everything was just acoustic. It was great. And then everybody just Googled the ly- lyrics on their phones. And I mean, that's yeah. all we need, really. Right, right. Now, it was a little hot because there was no air conditioning. So we wow. all got a little sweaty by the end. Yeah. But um, all the kids came up front. Don't touch me. <laughs> yeah. And I, somebody, okay. Oh, the Bergmans, uh, you know, Deb and Tom Bergman. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So when they found out, or when Deb, Deb was there, she found out about it. So she called her husband and said, bring our speaker and he's like, okay, they have a battery powered speaker thing. And so he's like, <laughs> he went, goes to grab it. It's out of battery. There's oh no battery. Goodness. What was the speaker going to do? To give like for me to preach with a, with a oh, mic and, a, and yeah. a speaker. So he gets in the car, plugs it into his car. And while he's driving over, it charges just enough to, oh my goodness. to provide power for, for my sermon. Oh my so goodness. I gave a sermon and the kids were all up in front talking loudly and it was really distracting, but I, I made it through. And one of the kids, my favorite part was just goes to show how much they love grace kids, but the power came back on towards the end of my sermon. And he just shouts out, can we go back to class now? (laughs) Yeah. So I said, I said, Oh buddy, I'm so sorry. No, but man, I I know what you're feeling. Cause I've been, I've sat through a lot of boring sermons in my day. So, Oh man, I'm sorry, but we're almost done. I was jealous that I missed all that. That looked, I mean, people were posting pictures online, social media. It just looked like an unforgettable service. There was, there were a few people who walked in, there, like everything was in disarray. And so there's a ton of people in the lobby. One person walked in and she just had this look of complete confusion on her face. And I walked up to her. I was like, yeah, so there's no power and we're having service <laughs> out here. And she's like, oh, okay. And everyone just kind of rolled with it. So That's awesome. Yeah. We're a church of uh, resourceful people. Absolutely. Yeah. I was just thinking the same work, thing. Man. I came this up is... with a new word. I came up with a new word to describe what we are. Flexilent. Flexilent. <laughs> oh no. Wow. No, that's not. Get out. Yeah, I think you're I kind of right. like it. We're flexilent. No, this is not the first time we have had to move at a moment's notice. Oh man. Yeah. And be flexible. Yep. We're we're super good at it. Marin, where were you this weekend? Well, Tyler, I'm glad you asked. Why? <laughs> <laughs> what happened? <laughs> My family and I took a very short uh mini vacation perhaps to Cedar Point. We'd never been there before. We're, Cedar uh, Point. From Chicago, so we are Six Flags theme park people. Six Flags, Great America, it used to be called. But we've always heard about Cedar Point. We have friends that are massive roller coaster enthusiasts, and they've been telling us, oh, you gotta go. So my mother-in-law wanted to take the whole family, cousins, me, (laughs) yeah, everyone. And so we all went, the whole family. Roller coasters. You're you're a massive (laughs) coaster fan, right? Guys, we've discussed this very thing on this program before with an accompanying picture. uh, Why was that the choice, though? I know you don't like it, but does everybody else like it? Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness, yes. My daughter, my son, my husband, even my mother-in-law and my (laughs) father-in-law were riding the biggest coasters at the park. When my mother-in-law got there Saturday, 
they had done their research ahead of time and they cut clear across to the back of the park Brilliant. to a roller coaster that was new as of last year yeah. that is like the most extreme roller coaster in the whole park. And did you ride it? Are you kidding me? What? Marin, did you, you write any, any? Do you have any other jokes you would like to share? Did you write any roller coasters at all? I did. I rode the, what was it called? The Iron Dragon. It looked uh, smooth, kind of like soaring through the trees. Are you kidding me? <laughs> was it very loud. And was it good? It Okay. So it has, my kids were making fun of me relentlessly because it, it has a drop that scared me like in the beginning. And it's yeah. like baby drop. Like it's... <laughs> Hardly considered a drop, but enough to totally make me feel paralyzed with fear. <laughs> but then for the rest of the ride, you are just like gliding through the trees. And yeah, what I don't like is the drop. I don't care about speed. Speed is great. I don't mm-hmm. care about height. I'm really not afraid of heights. I just don't like that plunge to the ground. Did you purchase photos of yourself on the roller coaster? <laughs> no, no. So the first time I went on it, I went on with Jed. Jed was so sweet. Saturday, he was like... Nah, babe, I don't really need to go on roller coasters that much. I just want to just want to spend time with you. And it just what? made me feel yeah, so right. bad. I felt so bad. <laughs> Come on, Jed. Yeah. Nobody's so he, buying that. <laughs> he rode like that smooth coaster <laughs> with me. So then Sunday came and I'm like, look, I want you to go and just ride everything. Like, just pretend like I'm not here. I want a day to myself. Like, really? You You're going to go to Cedar Point full of thousands of people. And you, that's where you go for a day to yourself. Yeah, I kind of have to. Otherwise, my husband won't have fun, right? Because he thinks he needs to be like standing next to me the whole time. And I won't have fun because I get gripped with fear watching my family go on a ride. Like I just, I can't stop. If I were your kids, I would (laughs) desperately want you to participate just to laugh. At it. My favorite was my favorite thing that you you posted on. I think on yeah, Instagram. you became an Instagram power <laughs> user like this on weekend like a, on like a little train. I was on an odyssey of my own you were on a, creation. You were a power user. <laughs> I was, you went from zero to a hundred. It was an amusement park on Instagram, and I was amused. It yeah. was hey mission accomplished. One minute you're eating hot dogs by yourself. The next so minute you're good. on a train with your feet up. My favorite comment. So I posted a video for those who didn't see. Of like, hey, I'm at Cedar Point and I'm just going to eat this hot dog alone and I couldn't be happier (laughs) that I'm nowhere near my family. Because again, if I see them go on the ride, I can't stop like praying, oh, keep them safe, please keep them safe. Keep, I, I, sixes visualize things. Yeah. So yeah. I see my tiny see daughter every... slip out from under the, the lap in bar the world. and like fly across the sky. That is what happens to me. I, something is wrong. Yeah. I don't... You don't have to tell us. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I posted the video of like, hey, I'm enjoying my life. I'm eating this hot dog. Oh my goodness. And somebody commented, you eat from both sides to the middle. Is that what you do? <laughs> You're a monster. Yeah. What kind of animal are you? You get that coveted and much anticipated first bite two times. Oh, you do it that way. Two no, is better that, than one. Marin. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Feed me. I'm just glad that I finally learned how to enjoy amusement parks and let my family enjoy themselves without. So everybody else had a blast. You had a blast by yourself. Arm. Yeah. I've gone on coasters with them before. I think I've said this before yeah. where I've like done it to mom arm 
Desiree yeah. because she's just so yeah. small and yeah. my that, arm will keep her safe. That, that yeah. over-engineered yeah, locking this. mechanism and also your arm. So yeah, I went on, <laughs> I went on the one I went on the one roller coaster with Jed. The next day I went on it by myself. Whoa. Just to see like, will I like this? Like what's wrong? You with went me? on by yourself? Yeah, and it's it wasn't any less scary than it was the day before. But then I went on it a third time with my nephew and I think I feel braver on coasters when I'm with small children. Because you have to be, you have to be strong. I set yeah. the example. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad you had fun. It was a blast. Good. How about you? Did you ride, uh, did you ride any roller coasters no, this weekend? No, roller coasters. We did go out of town for graduation party. And I found out, uh, did you guys have graduation parties when you graduated high school? Yes. Yes. Okay. Maybe just one person I was talking to, they were like, where I'm from, like nobody had these. Eighth grade or like senior year? High school. Like, yeah. Yeah. Graduate, Everybody. you're going to college or it's doing a a, whatever. thing around here at least. Yeah. Or I thought so too, but the people I, were talking, I was talking to before I left were like, yeah, we never did that. Huh. Where were they from? Uh, Pennsylvania. Huh. Well, that explains it. Well, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was good. And then we're, we're in the middle of like home inspection yes. mm-hmm. craziness. Yes. Which by the way, can we all have some, uh, all I want, I want to, if I ever have another career, I want to go into home like inspection. the king of common sense. Is, I want to be the king of common sense. That's a career. I don't know. But like. All right, so the guy comes and inspects your house and like, oh, there's a leak that's going into the basement. Fine, ask the homeowner to replace it or fix it or whatever. Mm -hmm. If there's a missing light bulb, can we just all have the common sense to be like, yeah, I'll handle that when I move in. There's too much of that going on right now. You're not going to knock the 45 cents off the... uh... (laughs) Yeah, there's too much of that going on right now So now I see where you're coming from. When you said home inspection craziness, I didn't know if that meant the home that you are about to purchase home inspection or the home that is yours currently that has a buyer and now you are being inspected. Well, it's a little bit of both. So like we're moving into this house and they're like, hey, the chimney's really dirty. This could be dangerous. All right, can we ask you to fix that? Whatever. And if you say no, fine. But... The people coming into my house right now, like the buyers for my house are like, uh, seems your gutters are a little dirty or, Hey, there's a light bulb missing upstairs or, Oh, oh, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so can we all have some common sense when we're buying each other's homes to (laughs) be like, we'll we'll just get the big stuff. Yeah. Like there's nothing wrong with our air conditioner, but they don't like it. So we got to, they're asking us to replace it. Uh, A light bulb. It's a little old. A little old? That's never dumb. had a problem. Yeah. So I don't know. That I seems... want to be the king of common sense. Well, I told you months ago that my teenage son would clean your gutters for you. You still have not taken him up on that. He loves being outside. He loves, he loves nature. He loves oh, nature. Fine. Yeah. Bring him on. <laughs> He'll study every leaf for approximately three minutes. Each individual leaf. He's the most leaf. inefficient cleaner ever. Yeah. Uh, all right, so let's go to Barry. You you did a great sermon, and then you booked it to Chicago. Yeah. Um, we are wrapping up Hope Month. Uh, the, we did a four-week series about the path of self-giving love, and this is the final week of sermon series. Before we get into the sermon, yeah. how do we feel Hope Month went? I feel great. I, Good. I think it was a total hit. I feel like... I've heard just incredible feedback from people. What 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 comes to your mind? What kind of feedback have you been getting from people? Two categories of feedback. One of them being 
wow, this has really challenged me. It's been so thought provoking. It's made me examine my life. And I'm, and I, I'm so grateful for that. That's why I love this church mm. because it, it makes us, it doesn't let us be comfortable with status quo. It mm-hmm. makes us really ask big questions. Mm-hmm. That's one category. The second category is I never thought I'd hear a church talk about these things. Mm-hmm. This is why I love Grace Church. So I guess there's yeah. a lot of love for Grace yeah. in the in the feedback that I've been hearing. So, and of course, there's a couple people with some hesitations, reservations about some of the stuff. But like for the most part, it was just overwhelming. Yeah, yeah. So that was that was super encouraging. Yeah, and I hope I hope all the friends of the pod have taken advantage of the opportunities like uh, Latino worship night. And we've got another event coming up this week with mm-hmm. listening table over in Fishers and, uh, prayer gathering and all the different things we've, we've tried to do this month. The, the partner catalog that mm-hmm. we hope people get engaged with Grace's partners that are choosing the path of self-giving love, yeah. you know, throughout the world. And so it, I, I agree. I think that this is kind of like a stake in the ground yeah. of who we are, who we want to be, People are really resonating with it. I've heard great things and uh, I can't wait to like do this again. Yeah. Yeah. uh, In some form or fashion in the future. So yeah, totally. Uh, But let's get into this past weekend. Uh, For anybody who may have missed it, what was your big idea or what do you want? What did you want us to take away from the message you gave this past weekend? Yeah. Essentially, I was saying that uh, God is glorified when the church, the big C church brings all of its diverse cultural gifts to him in worship. And what I meant by that was every nationality, every culture on earth, we have unique gifts and wealth and perspective and experience and all of that. We have all of that. That's unique to us, to each one of us, each Mm -hmm. culture. And when we bring that to bear in honoring God and worshiping one another, we make the church beautiful. And, and so you could almost say that it's our, like I said, a couple of weeks ago, the big starred and underlined thing for you, Marin, the thing that you love. Uh, I think I'm going to get a tattoo of it. Actually, maybe. <laughs> I said, it's what? the, it's the, it's our unity and love, which makes oh. the church, which makes the kingdom grow, but it's, it's our uh, diversity of gifts, which makes us strong. And this is another mm-hmm. application of that. When, when our diverse cultural gifts are, are brought to bear, we can make this church beautiful. And Mm -hmm. I didn't really spend a ton of time getting into specifics on what that looks like. I, I, I touched on it, but, um, so we could talk more about that. I would love to at some point, but really what I was trying to do is to set up a, a, a theological foundation for the idea of many nations worshiping as one, Mm -hmm. because we tend to be a little bit more isolationist in the way that we approach our faith communities. We don't want our cultures. We don't want multicultural churches because it's hard. We'd rather be with monocultural churches that are like us, that we don't have to be stretched in that way. And I'm, I was arguing that yes, it is hard. However, the fruit that comes from it is so tremendously great that it's, it's worth pressing into. So, Mm -hmm. uh, the passage that I used, which was a little bit odd since the rest of the, the rest of the, I'm glad you said that. <laughs> I, Is that sorry, disapproving guys. or No, approving? I was so excited. These are my notes on two Chase withdrawal are those, slips. Are those uh, CVS receipts? <laughs> what are we looking at here? Look, I told you I did whatever I wanted on Sunday, right? So that meant letting my family go ahead of me into Cedar Point while I sat in the car and finished streaming the surface <laughs> and finished it, notes on the only paper, the only paper, you could paper find. objects I All had. Right. But when you open with Isaiah 60, the reason I brought that up, I've always heard that as like a Christmas passage. 
Really? Yeah, like the light, the light rising. Oh, they yes. will come to his light. Yep. You know, baby yep. Jesus, star in the sky. Right. Arise and shine, your light has come. Right. So I'm like, oh wow, he's opening with the Christmas passage, which I know it's not, but right. in my <laughs> church experience, that's often where it gets yeah. used. Yeah. That's interesting. I, Are we talking I, about Isaiah? Yeah. Isaiah, yeah, Isaiah 60. 60. Yeah. But it's it's odd in the sense that all the other passages that we looked at in this series have been New Testament. They've been written mm-hmm. by Paul. And then all of a sudden we're coming out with this prophet from the Old Testament. And so, um, but I I use this as a sort of a, uh, sort of the, the theological linchpin of a, the broad narrative of scripture having to do with the nations. Yeah. And, and what, and so I had to talk a lot about, it was, it was another one of those messages where I, as I was writing it, I was like, oh man, I've bit off more than I could chew. This is a lot of, well, there's a lot of table to, setting to think about. Yeah. yeah. But, it, but <laughs> I was talking about this, this broad theme through scripture of Israel and the nations and what God's intentions were for the nations mm-hmm. and, and the passage, which we don't need to, get too deeply into unless you want to, unless you have questions about it is it's, it's an image of all, it's this prophecy of all the different nations on the earth kind of converging on Jerusalem. They're bringing all the exiled Israelites home and they're bringing with them all of the wealth and their unique cultural goods of Mm -hmm. their nation, the sheep and the camels and the gold and the frankincense and the lumber from Lebanon and like all this stuff, they're bringing it to Jerusalem. And the reason they're bringing it is to make the temple beautiful, to adorn the temple of God, the dwelling place of God on the earth. And so it's this really thought provoking idea of every culture not being distinguished as it joins Mm. in worship of God, but actually being enhanced and each culture like you can't build the temple without the lumber from Lebanon and you need the the gold to be able to make the gold plated whatever so you know like as they mm-hmm. understood the temple all of these things were were playing a part in doing something that as i talked about the world behind the text the context israel had not did not have the wealth at the mm-hmm. time to do themselves yeah so it was just a it was a very beautiful image and i just i took it and then i <laughs> Took it in a in a direction which probably needs its own sermon series, but I basically, I said, uh, I'm going to totally cram this into a very short summary, which will make it seem even more confusing. But basically, I I said if you look at then how this concept played out in played out in the New Testament, suddenly you realize that Jesus is the temple in a sense. Uh, he is this new temple, the meeting place between God and and or between heaven and earth, and all of a sudden the things that are true for him then become true for the church where the church is his body. And in some sense is the temple of God, the meeting place between heaven and earth. What? Yeah, exactly. With Christ as the chief cornerstone, Absolutely. all of us being fitted together yes. into the temple of God. Yes. Which, so I know, cause I never thought about this before. Like that never really meant anything to me mm-hmm. growing up. The idea of Christ being the temple or the church being the temple of God, it just never, or we are temples of the Holy Spirit. All that stuff just didn't mean anything to me. But the more I've understood <laughs> what the temple meant to Israel, the yeah. more I've come to realize just how profound that is. And so all that to say, in the church, the global church, I'm I'm saying that Isaiah 60 ha- began, to came, began to come true at Pentecost and continues to come true as the church puts down roots all around the world and each culture comes to it with its unique gifts and unique perspectives and, and makes it beautiful. So finally, I I basically concluded at the end that if Grace Church wants to become beautiful, if we want to have our message, you know, be profound and, and epic, 
then we need to open our mind to possibly having multiple cultures make up Grace Church. And I I, I talked yeah. about the fact that that the nations are not just out there somewhere that we have to go visit. The nations are here. And I gave all these stats about like the fact that there are so many nationalities mm. here now and we now have the opportunity to actually experience the fruit of each of their unique cultures mm-hmm. as a part of Grace Church, not as something that we go visit, but as something of who we are. And we're yeah. not saying come here and be just like us. Right. Right. Yeah. We want you to bring your unique gifts. Exactly. Exactly. That's like question number 25 on my list of questions. <laughs> okay. Uh, but all right. So let's just go there. Um, what what? I think in a lot of conversations I have about this topic and I had one last, I had like two last week on this mm-hmm. and it was like, I, I'm not, I, I sure bring everybody like everybody's welcome. Cool. Cool. Like, right. but, and there's all the, but is always like, I don't want to, I don't want to change what we're doing for right. that. Or I don't right. want to, you know, uh, but everybody's welcome to come participate. Right. So what you said, Marin, what, how can we clearly, communicate the difference between what we see as tolerating other people and other cultures right. and dignifying other people and other cultures that I think the dignifying part is what your sermons about. Yeah. And what you're saying Isaiah 60 is about and Pentecost. Um, so what's the difference there between tolerating everybody mm-hmm. and dignifying everybody? I think you're talking about the line between a multicolored church and a multicultural church. Mm-hmm. If you're saying, yeah, just let everyone come, but let's just do everything the same way we've always done it and and they'll just sit there and like what we do. It sounds like you're looking for a multicolored church and not necessarily a multicultural church. A multicultural church would be one that elevates the voices of the people around us mm-hmm. and um, experiences the beauty of what they have to bring, which is what this sermon was all about, bringing their gifts into the house of God and beautifying his sanctuary. So the challenge is for us to first um, humble ourselves and and listen and experience from the cultures around us and to give them a voice. Um, one of the things I went to a multicultural worship leaders network um, gathering. I think I think we were doing the pod back then. There might be an episode where I talked about this, but um, a multicultural church is multicultural in its expression. These are my notes. Um, It's empowerment, it's education and embracing the people around it. Do the people who come to us with their multicultural background, whatever background they have, do they have to assimilate or do we make room for them? Mm -hmm. Do we Mm -hmm. let them speak into the process? Yeah. And so I think the sermon was about letting them speak into the process, letting them bring their gifts and express uh, the mighty works of God uh, through their cultural lens. Right. So is, uh, is the Isaiah 60 scripture a vision or a poem or both? Like what, what, yeah, you said it was Hebrew poetry, but yeah. is it like, is, I, I is think, it also a prophecy? Like this is what somebody Isaiah thought that would eventually happen. Cause you said, uh, Isaiah chapter 60 is, is depicting the new creation. And then you pointed us yes. to revelation. So can you talk a yes. little bit about that? Yeah, I think, and this, you have to go back to the BYOB sermon about prophecy that I gave to, to understand the nuance of this, I suppose. That was from last summer, right? Last summer? Yep. Yeah. It, basically, prophecies sometimes do depict the future, but 
really what they're depicting is the truth. And, and they're, they're telling the truth about God's perspective on the world. And so this particular prophecy is talking about a time in which things are made right between Israel and the nations. And so it is depicting a, a poetic description of what God's heart is for the healing of the rift between the people groups. Mm -hmm. So, so I don't, personally read this and think that someday in the future there will be a nation called Nebaioth that will bring its camels to Jerusalem literally in Israel necessary some people would say that that's exactly <laughs> what it is yeah. but but I I personally see it as it, it was Isaiah speaking to the people of Israel at a specific time with a vision that caught God's heart for the mm -hmm. world in a way that they understood and spoke to them. So I'm using it in a more poetic sense to speak to the broader narrative of scripture and, and saying this, this points to, to a, a vision of the future that, that speaks to a theological truth about reality, not that necessarily will is, is literally destined to work out the same way. I mean, frankly, it can't, if you read revelation, like if you're going to take all prophecy that way, revelation has the same vision. I mentioned it in my message of, of all the Kings of the earth coming into Israel, except in revelation 21, there is no temple because Jesus and because the lamb is the temple. So you would then have to say, Oh, well, actually what Isaiah meant is that it was the lamb of God. And it, it just get, yeah. we're trying to, to turn prophecy into, into like history and it's, yeah. it's prophecy. And so the truth is that the nation's, will be healed, that there will no longer, that people will beat their swords into plowshares, you know, all of that. That's earlier in Isaiah mm -hmm. and, and that there will no be no longer war and conflict and, and hatred. So, um, I don't know if that answers your question. That's kind of the way I look at this. Yeah. And so the idea, the big idea is that God is glorified by this, this idea yeah. of everybody bringing their gifts. Right. Um, and the next, the next, uh, version of this is Pentecost where you outlined what happened there in Acts yeah. two, right. Yeah. <clears throat> um, where the assumption, I guess, to where everybody's going to be on the same page of, uh, is, is that they're, they'll all of a sudden start speaking the same language, but right. the opposite is what happens. Right? right. You think, cause it, cause I, I talked about the, the curse of Babel, the tower mm -hmm. of Babel in Genesis, which again, I love finding these parallels and realizing like, okay, humanity trying to build their own temple in gets, gets split into the languages and the nations then scatter to different ways. You just, these themes and these kind of images, they keep hyperlinking to one another and it's so cool. Anyway, you'd think Mar that, Mar do you know what a hyperlink hyperlinking is? <laughs> it sounds cool. It <laughs> no, I I I you geek understand. out. I geek out over the same thing yeah. when Feeling I find aggressive. <laughs> when I find you know sections in the Bible that harken back to other sections. Totally, I get really excited. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is that a hyperlink? Am I hyperlinking when I do yeah, that? Exactly. I, yeah, exactly. Okay. I, I that's a Bible project <laughs> podcast term. They always talk about hyperlinking, and that's just when <laughs> one author is intentionally referencing another another part of scripture. Anyway. Yeah. At the Tower of Babel, they're all split along languages. And Pentecost is when you think, ah, this will be healed. Like you said, like it'll, everyone's going to speak one language, but instead the disciples speak all the languages. Mm -hmm. And I love, I, I kind of, in some of the messages, I 
joked about the fact that Luke is like laying it on a little thick in his description of all like what these people were saying like and they hear us and they we hear it in in all of our languages as Parthians <laughs> and Medes and those from Mesopotamia and also from yeah. the, he's just like Don't on, and on, and on and on and on and on Cyrene and yeah <laughs> Phrygia and Pamphylia and yeah. it's like oh man it's anyway I love it because it's like he's basically saying all the nations in the world are now hearing the voices of the disciples in their own language yes. and you'd think you save a little time just and, be like an ink <laughs> and just say all the nations. Yeah. But no, yeah. he had to There's a reason. list them all. There's yeah. a reason. Exactly. So anyway, I, yeah, I think that moment was, was the healing of Babel. It was the nations coming together, but it, they were coming together into the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. They were not coming together in this homogeneity of losing all of their distinctiveness and culture. Yeah. So I have this book called uh, The Wolf Shall Dwell with the Lamb. And it's also uh, from Isaiah. A spiritual <laughs> spirituality for leadership in a multicultural community. This has been such an invaluable resource to me as I've tried to navigate um, these waters of multicultural uh, worship. And it talked about Pentecost. And I think I've mentioned this on the pod before as well, where we often will think of Pentecost as a miracle of the ear. I'm sorry of the tongue, of the tongue. They were speaking in other tongues, but that that's only half of the equation, that the other half is a miracle of the ear and listening. And then he breaks it down into, well, who was receiving the miracle of the tongue? Who was empowered to speak? It was Christians who should have, for all intents and purposes, been terrified for their lives. They would have been considered the weak they yeah. should have been in hiding somewhere, yeah. but the spirit came on them and gave them boldness. Right. Then they're out on the streets. And they spoke with other tongues. And yeah. the majority, which in this case he says would have been the the strong, they are the ones who received the miracle of the ear and were able to each hear in their yeah. own language. So he breaks it down into like how to, how to elevate other cultures within your church, mm-hmm. how to teach the majority, whoever that is, to listen. And you've talked yeah. so much about the importance in healing the broken place of hatred, the importance of listening. Yeah. And it's it's too easy to jump in and be action oriented. And okay, we're gonna do this and this and this. And, right. and they're all just gonna love our plans. And yeah. it's so much harder to empower by just listening and elevating the voice of another culture. Yeah, yeah. So real quick, before we move on from Pentecost, I've mentioned this once before, and this is like ultra geeky, but it, is so profound to me. So I'm going to say it. I didn't mention this in the message, but so if you look at the Jewish festivals that they, that they would always celebrate, there was Passover. We know about Passover. That's Mm -hmm. when the Israelites were saved out of Egypt and they were saved from their captivity. They also celebrated something called Shavuot, which was the celebration of the giving of the law. So the the law of Moses was given from Mount Sinai (laughs) Yeah, woo. The the it was the the means by which Israel could be a distinct nation and it gave them the the path to walk to honor God in the world, right? So that was the law and they celebrated that and it was like 40 days after Passover. So, zoom up to Jesus and what happens on Passover when he's crucified? And that's the answer. He was crucified. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know how to phrase that sentence. What happens on Passover? You didn't even give us a shot to guess. He's, he's crucified and resurrected, <laughs> and God saves the people, yes. all the people, yes. out of captivity. Right? Yeah. Well, guess what happens forty days later on the on the, the on Shavuot? 
The day of Pentecost. Pentecost. What? Pentecost oh. was the Greek what? word for that festival. June 9th? Well, on the 2019 what? calendar? It, no, yeah. Yes. It is. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> so the point Sunday. is, what I believe, and again, I think this is not an accident, is that this is the new law that's being, like the new law is being given to the people of God, which will make them distinct from the world Ooh, Lord. and will show them the path by which to walk and honor God. And so in a sense, where the Israelites had the law of Moses, suddenly the church has the Holy Spirit dwelling within mm-hmm. them. So it's like this moment is like wicked cool, in my opinion. Yeah. And I'm getting geeked up. I'm so, so excited. When you said um, being set apart or whatever, this will yeah. distinguish them. I feel like multicultural worship is countercultural. Yeah. Cultural is let's all do things the same, whatever mm-hmm. culture you're in. Let's all sing this way. Let's all preach this way. It's, it's monoculture. That's, that's the majority. I think multicultural worship is counterculture and would set us apart. One of the things they said that I loved at this conference, this multicultural, uh, worship leaders network, they said, we protest by worshiping together. Mm -hmm. You're not, we're not buying what you're giving us. You say that we should all just be divided and we should all just have our own corners of worship. We are going to protest by worshiping together. That's cool. I love that. Yeah. And that's, so the thing is, if you're at Fishers or North Indy, you haven't necessarily had this had this experience much, but here at 146th Street, we've begun very regularly having Spanish lyrics in a couple of our songs, at least. Yeah. It's, it's now becoming more the exception the weekends where it's all in English, which has made some people a little uncomfortable, but... I think the more that people understand our vision behind it and why we're doing it, the more they're starting to catch the the beauty of it. And of course, the more you hear a song, the more you're able to kind of sing along. Mm-hmm. But w- when you realize that what we are doing is we are acknowledging the presence of, of Spanish, of a Spanish speaking community that are a part of us, not just this other group of people out there. They're actually a part of us. When we sing some songs in Spanish, it's for that reason. And I think that's going to be something that we'll continue to, grow into in the days ahead as a church, because I really believe that's what God has called us to be Mm -hmm. a church where different communities, different cultures, different languages are represented. And I got to tell you the number of people who've, who've talked to me during this series or who have reached out to me, who are, whose first language is Portuguese or Arabic or, or Swahili. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's, it's incredible. And really it's, it's kind of the sky's the limit on how God shapes the future of where we go with this. But I believe just like with Isaiah 60, each of the different gifts that uh, that each of these cultures brings will make our church more strong and more beautiful. And you said uh, you said that this is not just a future dream. Isaiah right. 60 is not just a future dream. It well, I'm saying we, it doesn't it doesn't have to be. Yeah, we can taste it right now. Like right. in with all the examples you just gave. Yeah, and then you started saying like, I I like how recently you've kind of like guessed at what people might ask you or like yeah. doubt, doubt yourself kind of it's like right well barry we're in hamilton county so right that'll never fly or whatever right and, and then you know how i know to guess that it's because i've actually had <laughs> right? that i've <laughs> right. actually heard those comments yeah. yeah um and so you said grace is at the right place at the right time I, yeah in hamilton county for a very specific reason can you can, let's talk about that for a minute yeah. because like i said i think that this is like a stake in the ground and so let's talk about why Hamilton County is the right place and Grace Church is in the right place at the right time to talk about multicultural 
value, sure. the value of sure. that. Well, yeah. And I, I'll, I'll just recap the statistics that I mentioned in the message. Cause I think they're, they were surprising when I, when I really mm-hmm. thought about them, but in Fishers, Indiana, one out of 10 people living in Fishers, Indiana was born outside of the country. So there's that. That's pretty crazy. 27 different languages being spoken at North Central High School right across the street from our North Indy campus. Mm -hmm. There are 30 different ethnicities represented at our care center, among our care center friends. And there are at least 80 families, 80 Latino Spanish speaking families at our 146th Street campus who consider Grace Church to be their home church. Now, they don't always attend every weekend, but, yeah. but they would say Grace Church is, is my church. That to me, I said it in the message, I, like we don't have to go travel to the nations. The nations are here. Mm-hmm. Now, they may not be, you may not say, well, that's not a big enough statistic of a, of a you know, that that's not a high enough proportion to change who we are. But I, I look at that and I think, why would we not want to begin to experience some of the fruit that they could give us? And I mean, if you want examples, I could give you examples, but... The, just the different perspectives that they have, the different cultural gifts that they bring mm-hmm. uh, that this, we can start to experience this. And it's not, like I said, it's not a future dream. This actually can start to happen now, even though I thought five years ago, I thought this was something that we might experience in 20 or 30 years. Yeah. And again, the heart behind all of it is to beautify his sanctuary Yeah, to bring him glory. Do we want to be multicultural, to be cool, to be trendy, to be different? We want to do it because it brings God glory. Yeah. That's why yeah. we do it. Right. God well, smiles upon our togetherness. Yeah. And he wants us to be one. Is that why? He and Jesus and the Holy Spirit are one. <laughs> why Why does this feel so controversial? Because you started the whole thing by saying, I, this is not political to yeah. me. This is yeah. not, I'm not trying to be controversial here, but it is. It's a touchy subject. And so why is that? If like we, th- we think, you know, this is what the Bible says, or this is what we think God cares about. Why yeah. is it so touchy? Well, what it, what it means is if you are in the majority culture, it means you have to, in some way, give way and you have to reduce yourself and give up some of the things that are comfortable to you to help make some, some, uh, someone else feel at home or welcomed or valued. And that, it's just hard for people. Nobody wants to lose anything and they don't necessarily need to be ill will, have ill will in their heart. It's just, it's hard to lose things. And I think the idea that now a portion of, if you're at 146 street, a portion of your worship service is going to be in another language that you don't speak. That's a loss. And I think people don't want that sometimes. And it's not every weekend. Right. You know, um, it's more, do we have a track record over time? of being a church that acknowledges the unique, the unique cultures that are yeah. part of this expression of the body of Christ. So it's not every, every weekend, yeah. but over time, are we acknowledging, are we elevating, you know, are we highlighting what, what are we doing to say, we see you, we love you, we value you. And you said one of the comments is, uh, I never thought, a church would talk like this. Yeah. Why is that the case? I, I can understand cultures, but like, why are we the only shop in town or I so to speak? I don't know that we are. Well, like, <laughs> why are we, why, why do people have to say that? Like, why, why, why does are, it seem so surprising? Yeah. Why I, is it a shock that a church would talk this way? Because monoculture is the lay of the land. Yeah. I was, that, that was one of the comments that I made. Um, I think it was the second weekend of hope month. Yeah. 
couple weeks um, ago. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. When I looked over at the youth group sitting across from me at our Fishers campus and I just started to just cry thinking, oh my goodness, I would have never heard something like this as a teenager in the church I grew up in. Um, it was a church where, okay, if you're from another nation and we did, we had a couple of, um, one of my best friends was from Nigeria. Mm-hmm. We had people from other nations at our church, but it very much was dress like us, sing like us, eat like us, mm-hmm. be just like us. I would not have heard a, a message um, about elevating and uh, admiring another culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, yeah, it, it is hard. It's this is hard stuff because, and I would I'm speaking from my personal experience. I've it's I almost. When I was in, in Kenya in 2005, I was living there for the full year. And by about March or April, I was done. Like someone asked me, a Kenyan guy asked me, so what's your favorite thing about Kenya? And I couldn't think of anything. I was so, the airport. Uh, yeah, I was so done because I was just tired of the the way that they saw time. I was tired of the expectations they were putting on me as far as what yeah. I wore and how I talked and what, you know, where I went and transportation was a pain and culture, just like the, I didn't like the food. It was just like all the stuff, all the stuff yeah. was really hard and I didn't want to do it. And I had been trained, thankfully, that that was going to happen. And I was, I was taught what I was going to need to do at that point. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the most important and yet one of the more difficult moments of my entire life. I had a choice to make. I could either check out and leave or I could submit myself to the culture and say, I will set aside my own desires in an effort to listen and allow your culture to change me and listen to my host parents and like listen to my my coworkers at Nairobi Chapel and say, I'm willing to I'm willing to become a different person if it means adapting to your culture and, and learning from your culture. And so I chose that second path and it changed my entire life. And what I discovered, and this is what I want people to hear. It was, it was, yes, very hard, but at the end of it, I didn't come out as a, I didn't lose my culture or my distinctiveness. I just gained better (laughs) perspectives on the world. I, I was way more comfortable being patient when things were taking a long time, I was way more present in my conversations with people. Like these are all things I yeah. learned from being in Kenya and, and I was way more open to trying new foods and all this stuff. Like, and yet I was still American. I was still a problem solver. I was still a go getter. All the things that you think of as American culture, it was all still true of me. It was just tempered and I would say improved by allowing another culture to shape me. And so I, I think of that as a corporate thing. And I think, yeah, if we're willing to do that, to have that, to make that choice of, let's go the hard route, then we can as well become a culture where we are gaining the benefits of many other cultures and many other perspectives on the world. In my humble opinion, IMHO. And beautifying the temple. And yeah. Yeah. And by the way, the whole point is that we believe this is what glorifies God. This is something that glorifies God. So whether, whether you feel good about it or not at the end of the day, like we're saying this is part of glorifying God. God. Yeah. So yeah. that's got to count for something. And One of yeah, go ahead. Sorry, part of that is choosing the cross. If you are a person who has been a part of the majority and things are changing and you're uncomfortable with it, um I would encourage you to pray about that and in consideration of what does it mean for you to 
choose the cross in this situation. I've had people come up to me <laughs> and talk about how much they don't like gospel music. They'll just come and tell me to yeah. my face, you know? <laughs> so do you, do you get out of my face? <laughs> so you, you only like to engage in worshiping almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. If it's a song you like. Well, yeah. Is there such a thing as not Lauren Daigle? <laughs> You got jokes. <laughs> I'm saying that God is worthy and yeah. it doesn't matter what our style or, or language he's worthy in every yeah. language. He's yeah. worthy in every style. And I, man, it's beautiful. I, I love when I'm immersed in a culture that is not my culture. It's beautiful. It elevates me to another place. One of the things we did at the end of this conference, I think we sang, it might've been amazing grace. It was a song that everybody would have known, but everyone in the room who spoke a different language, we all lifted our voices in our own language, but sang the same song. Mm -hmm. It's one of the highlights probably of my whole life. I'll never forget what that room felt like. I'll never forget what I felt like. It was a picture of heaven. And yeah. I was just like, okay, God, I'm in. Yeah. How do I, uh, how do I get more of this? How do I be used yeah. in this work? I yeah. am all in. Well, we've all been to Ukraine. Mm. And that happens there. Yeah. 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 We all sing the same songs, just different language, two different, at least two yeah. different languages. It always and slays me. Yeah, yeah. It's always the best. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and permission, Grace Church. When we sing in Spanish, y'all, if you know the song, you can keep singing in English. Yeah. It, the, the, <laughs> That's true. The words on the screen don't mean, okay, everyone speaks Spanish now. It's just usually momentary. The problem is we, none of us remember song. the words because it's all on the screen all the time. It's like remembering people's phone numbers. Some nobody nobody can do it anymore. Some of the refrains are simple enough. Some of the choruses are simple enough. And we would love to hear that, to hear both languages raised up yeah. in uh, the South Auditorium. That would be beautiful. Let's do yeah. it. Yeah. And it's okay to sing in Spanish if you can't pronounce the words perfectly. Just give it a shot. No one cares. Hey, like, make yeah. a joyful noise. I would say the thing and the thing about, well, that's not totally true because I found out today that the th sign on the wall that we thought said bathroom says sinks. Well, that's funny. So this is, this is Grace Church learning how to be cross-cultural. We took a word which is generally used for bathrooms in Venezuela, mm -hmm. the sinks, <laughs> yeah. and we put that on our signage, not realizing, I'm not sure who did it. Who I did it. You did it? Well... <laughs> My team did. Your team, well, you can take responsibility for it. It's okay. <laughs> but, but, and it was like, we asked someone from Venezuela, what do you, what would you say is for bathrooms? Yeah. Yeah. And they gave us the word. Yeah. And, but what we didn't realize is that actually there are many other oh, yes. Spanish speakers who would use the word baño instead of, instead of that. So, so that, if you want to find the sinks, yeah, there are sinks. It's <laughs> very easy to find. And there are toilets. So yeah. they're all there. Oh, it's just goodness. a bonus. But like, I love that. I love, I love that that's the problem that we have yeah. because. That's a learning experience for yeah. us. Suddenly, oh, common words can be different mm -hmm. in different dialects and different cultures. And so, yeah, um, when it comes to gospel music, though, I think this is something that that has helped me when it comes to different styles of music. I've had to, I, I've worshipped in other languages and other other styles all over the world, and and I had to get over pretty quickly the fact that they wasn't all exactly the genre of music that like most fires me up, you mm -hmm. know. You know, I, I don't necessarily like respond to the, you know, the wailing guitar solos necessarily, but you know, the music that I tend to respond to often has wailing guitar solos. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Sorry. And it's got uh, you all choked up. Yeah. I'm just, uh, something caught in my throat. Um, but what I realized when I realized that some of the ways that gospel music is 
framed and some of the ways that it's written and the the roots that it has in its past and why there's so much repetition. We've talked about this mm-hmm, before, but mm-hmm. why the repetition that actually plays a role in the music. It's not just because they couldn't think of something else to write. Mm-hmm. It was there's a reason you repeat so you can think about and chew on that concept in so many all the different angles. When I realized that, suddenly I'm able to join in and participate in the worship of of a style of music that wouldn't necessarily come completely naturally to me. But yeah. now I love. <laughs> I'm obsessed with it. I love it. But I it it took me realizing what makes this powerful for the people who do love it. And as I, as I began to listen and learn, that's when it began to be powerful for me. And that is the miracle of the ear. Yeah. You listened yeah. and you learned. You could have just gone on and on and on about how it's just something you don't like. Yeah. But you humbled yourself to listen and learn and to just see it from a different perspective, which yeah. I always say this when we get on this subject, but gospel music is not the only repetitive genre. Uh, no. No, not by a long shot. Um yeah, and and harkens back to traditions, you know, so deeply rooted in church history, like monastic traditions, mm. um, a form of uh, prayerful meditation. Yeah, I, I will say one more thing. Getting back to your earlier question, Tyler, about why is this hard for people or why is this controversial? And I think, mm-hmm. and this is a misconception that we probably should address when. When we talk about being multicultural, it is easy if you are in the, let's say, the dominant culture or the majority culture, it's easy to think that elevating another culture therefore means denigrating your own culture or somehow seeing your own culture as wrong or evil or bad or something like that. But And so people say, well, I'm not going to do that, so I don't want to be multicultural. I, I don't think... That, it nece- that that necessarily has to be the case. And in mm-hmm. fact, I think it shouldn't be the case. Right. I think mm-hmm. as you encounter another culture, you begin to understand your own and see your own culture's warts as well as your own culture's beauty. Like, yeah. I'm more grateful than ever at how I was taught from a young age about problem solving as an American because we fix problems. Yeah. When we go over and around the world and all we want to do is fix problems, then we're all we're trying to, we're trying to bang <laughs> in all the nails that we can see because we're just a big hammer. But- so once I've learned how to how to adapt to other cultures and submit myself to other cultures and then use my problem solving abilities, which has come through my cultural upbringing, suddenly it's a much better, healthier way to approach it. And so I don't lose the benefits of my culture. It's just a matter of gaining the benefits of other cultures. Absolutely. And there are so many rich benefits of the majority culture here. Your dad mentioned in yeah. his sermon uh, two weeks ago when he went to, was it Nairobi and they oh, said yeah. that you have the processes and the organization right. and the administrative skill and, right. and so much more. That's just a tiny bit of right. it. But I've already seen that work itself out here with our uh, Latin American community yeah. where many of them have talked to me about how organized we are and, yeah. and, and they're learning they're learning bits and pieces of our culture that were not familiar to them. And right. this they is how we knew. this is how we give to one another. I've said this again and again, like we don't just fold another culture into ours Mm -hmm. and we don't just say, okay, other culture take over. It's yours. (laughs) Yeah. We are folded into one another and that is how we become one. Equality is not oppressive. Dignity is not oppressive. So you're right. It doesn't have to be that somebody's losing something. So somebody else gains stuff. It's no. like equality is equality. It's like raising each other up, but yeah. it's not oppressive to me. I think equality is everybody chooses the cross. Right. And yeah. the greatest of these is love. And again, if we are the church, 
then, and we are each giving of ourselves in love and when lifting other people up, somebody is lifting us up because mm-hmm. we're gi- giving of, each, of ourselves and so are they. And that's what the church is meant to be. Whereas if we don't go that path, then we're all self-sufficient and you better keep out. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to have my boundaries threatened. So yeah. Yeah. Um, so if you missed any of these sermons past four weeks, please, please, please go back and listen or watch. This is a, uh, I think this is just one of those milestone moments for, for grace to say, this is who we are. This is part of who we are. We care about this broken place just as much as all the other ones. And here's a specific way that we want to come together and tackle it. Yeah. Is choosing the path of self-giving love. Um, yes. So we're not going back, you know, this is, this is, I'm really proud of this church. I'm proud of the people that uh, that gave the messages. I'm proud of the people that came to listen. I'm proud of the people that are wrestling with it right now. I'm proud that we're all kind of doing this and and sitting in it together. And so I'm just really thankful that I get to be a part of a church that does talk like this and isn't scared of these conversations and, you know, it actually encourages them. So Mm -hmm. yeah, me too. Um, Okay. So what's next? What are we doing? Are we doing a different, different broken place or what, where are we going? So we're this coming weekend, we are going to have a, we're going to have campus weekend. Our friend, Goey Odera from Nairobi Chapel is going to be preaching. He's on track to become the pastor of our London church plant. And so he's going to be here and it's going to be awesome. Each campus will have, it'll be a worship together, like a family service and it'll be cool. It'll be great. And then, and then after that, we'll dive into our summer series all about the Psalms and praying and being honest <laughs> so not, to God. Not as easy of a conversation as hatred. Uh, it might be a little bit more relaxing than <laughs> hatred. <laughs> I was with a group of people and they were like expressing a, a sense of, of weariness with the heavy, intense yeah. topics. And I said, don't worry, all summer we're going to be in the Psalms. It'll be fine. <laughs> Where I got a little sad when I saw we had made the hope banners here at the, I think we did it. Yeah in some ways across all yeah, the campuses yeah. where hope was kind of the word around the, yeah. the building and today the banners that hung in our lobby here at 146, hope came down. Yeah. And it was so depressing. <laughs> oh, no. Hope is gone. Oh, hope is man. lost. Get rid of it. I want you to bring hope back. <laughs> all right. Bring well, it we'll, back. We'll probably do it again next year and maybe we'll pick a much less much less controversial topic like uh, decay and, yeah, and caring for easy. creation. <laughs> yeah. That'll be nice. Oh, all right. So we'll be back next week. Hopefully go. He can, I don't know what his plan is. I don't even, I've never talked to him, but I hope that he can. I hope so too. And He's awesome. And talk. He's such a cool guy. Yeah. But until then, Marin, will you please send us out? I will do justly love mercy and walk humbly with your God. And we'll see you on the other side of Sunday. <laughs> <laughs>